0: This show is brought to you by Objectivity Squared Wealth Management, helping families strategize, execute, monitor and communicate their financial decisions. Learn more at ObjectivitySquared.com.
1: Sometimes you know what it is, and so you step into it, but really what you stepped into is not what you know, it's what you don't know. You step into what you wish, Right. you find out what you don't know. (laughs)
2: Call to Adventure, hosted by Alexopoulos and John Duckworth. An exploratory conversation about facing the unknown. An opportunity to discuss those pivotal moments that illuminate new paths
0: and reveal deeper purpose and meaning in our lives.
3: John Duckworth here with Alex back in the Ohm Radio studio, high atop the Joseph Floyd Manor in Charleston, South Carolina. It's the first episode of our second season. Feels good to be back. Alex, how about you?
2: Yeah, it feels great to be back. Uh, it's been, gosh, a little bit longer than I would have thought. I know. That, uh, going on four months, and, uh, and this is our first uh, show recorded at night, which is right. uh, pretty cool too. So, um, yeah. And I love we, the guests that we're going to have. It's sort of full circle because this is the first interview we did something four or five years ago that we talked about last season we just didn't capture it because the recording didn't work so we're going to go at it again uh this evening
3: and sitting here across from us mr quentin baxter the one and only thanks for being here quentin
1: my pleasure being here brothers
3: well just to give the listeners a bit of an intro and then we'll get right into it uh quentin baxter is an amazingly talented and respected jazz percussionist musician composer, producer, twice Grammy nominated for last year's album with Renee Marie, I Want to Be Evil. He currently tours with both Renee and Freddie Cole, incredible musicians, both of them. He's been an adjunct professor at the College of Charleston for, I want to say 18 years now, is it? Yeah, Yeah, It's getting up there. Wow. And is an incredibly active and engaged citizen of the Charleston community and a global ambassador for Charleston and jazz music. I think Renee Marie might have summed it up best when she said, the most amazing, exciting, musically dedicated drummer I have ever known.
1: Wow. No pressure, right? No pressure.
3: (laughs) Hey, you don't have to play today. You just got to sit and chat with us, man.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. That's funny, man.
3: Yeah, it's good stuff. And, you know, I'm looking at the calendar for October, and you're fresh off a pretty powerful TEDx presentation with Marcus Amaker. Amazing
1: experience. Um... Yeah, that was that was really and actually to date uh, probably Marcus and I's uh, Marcus and I our our best performance so far. But that one in particular. Well, yeah, because all of the worlds came together. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know the the technical side of it, you know, the sound. It's such a great
3: combination, man. I mean, the two of you really do.
1: You know Complement each other it, it, re- Well It's fun it, Yeah And it's it's a fun project And it's humbling You know um, yeah? Normally I have a loop station I'm trying to actually Create loops live It's not pre-recorded stuff So it's totally exposed You know And he's actually uh-huh. Dealing with uh, The spoken word Like no one's Like no one's business You know So I'm trying to follow in um, And play with him But you know At times, it it becomes a thing where a third element can throw it off. He and I can do that any time of the day, just playing. But when you actually add microphones, you actually add technical sound things that's going on. Anything could go (laughs) right, wrong, or
3: indifferent. I think that's what makes those sorts of moments really... Have I mean they have an edge to them, so right. the audience can sense that right. this is this is something that could cool. spill over into yeah,
1: and you, you add know. an audience to it, too. yeah, <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. Nice. yeah. So that I think for us, that was the best of worlds. Um, the audience was specifically there for movement of some sort. Yeah, my wife was in the audience, and wow. she came back, and I, you know,
2: Marcus we had on the the show last season, um, oh, okay, great, and uh, and Monica was. Absolutely said that was the most powerful segment of the whole day and
1: uh, amidst an incredibly powerful day So I yeah. wish I could have been there man. It was really something you, I, I sat there and I was my daughter was there as well and We yeah. sat in the audience together when I was done and we were just moved by speaker after speaker after yeah. presentation after Man, it was amazing. It was a great time.
3: Well, you look like you're having fun out there. Yeah I mean the way you come up stand up and walk around the drum set, you know <laughs> I had never seen you do that before man
1: and, you know, very rarely has it happened. Um, it just looks like fun. Like, you're just it's having liberating. fun out there. It's like a it's matador, fun. right?
2: You know, it, it, sort of... It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's
1: liberating. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's all... It's wide open, man. You know, and that's what the music has been for me. Yeah. Uh, all my life, it's been a, a wide open exploration.
2: You, know? <laughs> you, you were talking about this month, October alone. Yeah. You had the TEDx.
3: And there was a two gig set at Leaf. Uh, yeah, not with, too long ago with Ranky with, Tanky, uh, Ranky Tanky mm-hmm. just uh, uh, on the heels of that. I think he went to New York to play the Jazz Standard with Renee Marie.
1: Right, which was my second time playing the Standard. This month, uh, you with two weeks Freddie ago. Cole, too? yeah, two weeks so ago, Freddie Cole
3: and yeah. Renee. You know, the thing I love is that those two musicians are lining up on the same bill, oh, man. I mean, Spoleto and and Savannah, right? Right, right. Oh, that's right. awesome, right? Yeah, uh,
1: Spoleto, I mean, they they both played Spoleto. yeah. Um, but they they performed together for the Savannah Music Festival. Oh, they yeah, performed it's one together. Of Rene, yeah, one of Renee's concepts, um, and it's her latest thing was uh, actually having Freddie as a hired. Uh, featured artist and okay. a show she called "He S- He Said, She Said." Ah, uh, oh, nice. nice. fun, man.
2: Yeah. Share share with the audience a little bit about Renee Marie. I John was mentioning that she didn't start her vo- professionally singing until like her forties,
1: right? Right, right. Uh, well into, I mean, she was, uh, I guess, a little younger than where we are right now, but um, she was in her forties for sure. When she started singing professionally, she was always singing. You right. know, um, it's amazing because I'm, I'm on the road with her and I learned how. As a teenager, she was winning talent shows or featured. Oh, yeah? yeah, she was. Yeah, you know, I, she was I always singing, man. You know, I don't doubt it. And she she got married young and decided and then they had two sons. And her sons are, are, are great guys. And um, but she was a mom for. Right. She dedicated her life to the family, and then after, after which she decided. Oh, she was encouraged by one of her sons, her oldest son Michael, to come out and sing. And so ever since, good thing then, he did, man. Yeah, she that and one. good thing her older brother actually really, really encouraged her. Yeah, to, Claude, yeah, he he pushed her out there. He was, I think the story is every day he sent her this email, jump in the net, it'll appear.
3: No kidding. Yeah. Jump in the net, will appear. Yeah, that's what so, Janet Alterman was talking about last season. That's yeah. the yeah. show, right? That's our show. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> we talk about that all the time, right. you know, but so, you that's know, beautiful. The risk
1: is not taking one, man. I, I guess that's the way yeah, it is, Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, I mean, we'll probably have to bleep this out, but she is one badass woman. She is very powerful.
1: Brother. She really is, man. She's I mean, not too many powerful. people. You know, and she's, and she's transparent. That's The power in, in, in a lot of the people... That I think are extremely influential is their ability to be transparent and still not be afraid of, uh, of uh, offering what, the, what it is they really have to offer. So, you know, some people are so, so busy trying to hide and not mm. they, they don't want to be found out that they don't know. But the beauty of not mm-hmm. knowing is not knowing yeah right right. it's finding out that's the beauty of not knowing
2: well when I was watching a video with you talking about your role as an educator you spoke a lot about just sharing your experience. that's right you know that's Um,
3: right and being really confident and okay with telling your students I "I don't know
1: that's the truth right I don't I don't know (laughs) if you don't and I came back this this one time I came back and talked to my combo about an experience I just had um, this past weekend and I said look man you you gotta stay on top of your game and here I am saying that and here's an example as to why because here I I'm in a club in New York City and Renee called a tune we hadn't played in a long time Mm. you know and for whatever reason when I started the song and it's a feature for me but I started the song at at the wrong tempo was was a tempo for another song and I couldn't get that groove out of my head and so I started the song I played maybe eight measures and I looked up and I stopped, and I looked at the club,
4: yeah. <laughs> and Renee was like, well, you know, "I was like,
1: we're gonna do this again." We're I didn't say that, <laughs> but uh, what I did say, uh, you know, I don't want you to have to edit out. But the thing is, you start it over, and and you play you play it, and then the next night, and I told my students, but the next night she called it again. I played the hell out of it, you yeah, know. Right. But right. not that we didn't play it that night, you know. It was just you have to maintain a prominence. And even if it's something you've known for so long, I mean, it's a it's a song that we've played for so long, so many times, and of course, I know it, like the back of my, I produced the damn song. Okay, and you
3: started off on the wrong. I started the <laughs> wrong tempo, and I'm like, eh,
1: you're never above the experience, man. Yeah, you know, and yeah. music is, and no matter what it is that you decide, or you align yourself to do? You you've aligned yourself to do that because it makes you a better person, hopefully. It's interesting because that's like having students teaching, I find
3: probably has a lot of similarities with having children where when you're giving them advice, Mm -hmm. you're hearing it again Mm -hmm. for yourself. That's right. So you're like, oh, yeah, thank you for reminding myself. Right, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Here it comes again. The
1: students show up, and you're like, great, I get to talk to me some more. (laughs) I get to remind me about what I need to be working on, you know. (laughs) I mean, I wish I had some money. And I've had some very um, important and influential people, mentors in my world, you know, and I'm just doing the best I can to hopefully be the same um, kind of mentor, you know, um, Mm. but being transparent and it doesn't mean I don't have anything to offer. I know what I can do. I know I can play. I I know I'm supposed to be able to play. That's not, that's not the thing. It's just how do you get the point across that, you know, it's okay to be where you are as long as you're still trying to further it, Mm. as long Mm -hmm. as you're still growing, you know? Q,
2: you know, you're so willing to be naked, sort of, you know, sharing honest, the truth, those all sort of, you know, stick. Shout out loud when I think about you. Um, where does fear play any role for you? Or how does fear relate to the to you the know, life of Quentin Baxter?
1: Fear was. I mean, I, I grew up in a, I grew up in a very, I'm I'm very humbled and honored to have grown up in, in the way that I have with my parents. I grew up in a in a church environment, you know, and um, so fear. The word fear didn't really work. So well, hmm. in my mom and dad's house, <laughs> like, really, well, because you know they they would throw scripture, God does not give us the spirit of fear hmm. you know um so even though it exists, I mean y- you can say concern, you can say uh quite a few things, but the only thing you feared was like not being cool with mom at some <laughs> point <laughs> uh, outside of that you you realize that um um you can be concerned, you can be. You can you can be a lot of things, but when you're afraid, it might be some th- other things you want to pay attention to. Are you prepared? what are you scared of? Yeah. You know, um, and my my mom, two things you couldn't say was I'm scared or I'm sorry. Hmm. And she was like, I don't want, I don't have any sorry signs. I don't have any sorry men in my world. No I'm kidding. Like, wow. No, and if fine. you said I was sorry one too many times, she says, Yes, you are. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, damn. Right. Okay. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> but but that that's me as a kid. And that's conditioning. You know what we do is we yeah. train our kids and we condition them to actually accept certain things. You know, she wasn't getting deep with me. She was just saying you couldn't say I'm scared. But when you actually step into things, of course you're concerned. Of, lo- of course you're a little yeah. nervous about things and. Um, Well, I mean, that's one of the uh, things that
3: we get into in this show all the time, coming back to not knowing mm -hmm. and stepping out into the unknown. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the first thing that you mentioned that felt like you were stepping into that category, Mm -hmm. although I think you said you felt like you didn't know it really until hindsight, but leaving USC Pharmacy School to come to the College of Charleston to study music and having Xavier. Which happened first there?
1: so... The first time I can say I was scared was when Xavier was on the way, you know, yeah. I had just left pharmacy school. So you left uh, pharmacy school first? I left pharmacy school, I, I came to College in Charleston, um, I started studying music, I decided I was going to be a musician, I started, decided I was going to play music for a living. Um, You'd have been a fine pharmacist, but I'm glad you made that choice. Like, like, I, I'm curi- I was actually literally going to be, um, I was taking it to holistic pediatrics. Oh, okay. I, in the 80s. Wow. That, would, that was like a stretch, man. You know? No <laughs> one's going to underwrite that. <laughs> no insurance company was going to do anything about that. You
2: know? I'm curious. You have uh, two siblings.
1: Uh, your mother was a drummer. Your father was a drummer. I have three siblings. Three siblings? Yeah, three brothers, two older, one younger. All play drums. All, well, right? that's right. the family right. instrument. Right. We all play so, other instruments as well, but that's the family.
2: So what led you to sort of, uh, I won't say turn your back, but in a sense, like, w- go a different direction from your family? You know? I mean, that was in your you know, blood. I, I didn't go a different direction. You didn't think you did?
1: No. Um, we all grew up playing music. Uh, I am the the first of my immediate family um, and, and the lineage of that. My, my dad has cousins. And mm-hmm. so the Baxters play. Mm-hmm. Anthony Baxter, Ralph mm-hmm. Baxter. They're... You know, those are cats who actually played in town. Um, But as far as my immediate family, we were all brought up to play music, but we played in church. Mm -hmm. You know, so I had a gospel career essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it was time to get serious about life and serious about going to school, my old man wasn't here. And you go into music school, Mm -hmm. you were going to do something else. And I was the first of my brothers um, to go to college. Gotcha. Okay, so. I'm the third son. I was the hellion, mm-hmm. you know. I was I was the one that was the trouble child, pretty much. I was. The so one. you
2: weren't running away
1: from anything. You were running, well, I was towards stepping it, into yeah. it. Yeah, stepping up, stepping. But I was in. stepping really into it. A a little bit more so than my old man wanted me to. He mm-hmm. thought the mu- the music thing's fine. He's it's cool, but you know what else? You can you can fall back on it. And it's a funny thing. Is yeah, you know. I didn't fall back into it I stepped into it and with his encouragement um, one way or another um, I see it as encouragement now at the time I saw it as a challenge like my old man was really coming at me saying you can't do this you can't make it as a musician you have to, you have to do this other thing Yeah. at that time he was doing the best he could to tell me he wanted the best for me of course right. yeah, yeah, so, yeah you know that was that call a stable,
3: secure right
1: so he was challenged that was the challenge man he wanted. I mean, he's been. He wants the best been for you. Here. He's the cat, you know, and he's like, he wants the best for you. And for me, yeah. And and it made me say, well, I'll show you. <laughs> and
3: then you had to recognize what was the best for you, right? And make the
1: switch, right? Huh? So I didn't turn my back on it. I really oh, stepped into it and decided that my gifts were going to make way for me, which is what I've been really taught. Well,
3: so, I'll tell I mean, you what. I mean, we're of course as usual, Alex we could talk for hours and we're like already through the first segment here. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But, I mean, speaking of finding your gifts and finding your talent, I I think we should go ahead and have a listen to a little bit of Quentin Baxter on drums right now with the first song. Yeah. um, Which is The Serenity Prayer by Renee Marie Mm -hmm. uh, from Black Lace, Freudian Slip. Let's give it a listen. Enjoy.
4: God
0: grant The serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know. God, grant me the patience, Lord, for changes that take time. Appreciation for all I have. For those with struggles different from mine Different from mine And the strength to get up And try again Just one Whoa.
2: And we're back. World class tune, Serenity Prayer, Renee Marie, with uh, the brilliant QB on the drums, Quentin Baxter. So you leave pharmacy school, you come back to college in Charleston. Tell us a little bit about sort of the next couple of years as you sort of get your feet on the ground as a, as a musician, as a working musician.
1: Absolutely. I um, showed up at the college and wanted to actually study jazz and. And learned. Steve Rosenberg was the department chair at the time, and realized there was not a jazz department or compartment, as we mm-hmm. call it, since it's really music department. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's when, I mean, the the stronghold, the team of Tommy Gill, Kevin Hamilton, Quentin Baxter, um, Chris Williams was in school at the time. Okay, um, Kiana was about. 13 when we met her so this is an era of time that um when i first started playing i went down to the chef and clef and that's where i met tommy yeah, um, at the monday night jam session oscar rivers was on alto saxophone who became an um, immediately became uh, a very important person a very important mentor in my world Um, He took me in, taught me how to check out the music, taught me how to listen to the music, sent me home with LPs from his house.
3: Yeah, he's old school, right? Didn't he go to Burke High School and and wasn't he playing with the Jenkins Orphanage Band? I don't
1: know. I think I read that on the Charleston Jazz Initiative site that he did. he went to state. He went to state and then he lived in Chicago for a while. So um, what I do know is he's a a, a bebop hero. Okay. And and that's the language he speaks on the horn. Um, You know, So while he was in Chicago, of course, he shared the stage with a lot of... A lot of greats like Sonny Stitt And people like that But he came back home He's also a really accomplished pianist You know But You know When he was playing that alto saxophone Was when It really Really Man he sounded like Charlie Parker Oh man You know And And my opportunity to play on Mondays and just sit in on the gig on Mondays was because he was there, Tommy Gill was playing piano a lot of times. I met um, Lee Burroughs, who was a bass player at the time, Wayne Mitchum, who was actually playing there quite a bit, Frank Duvall, who's oh, wow. still playing around town. And I, I just met a lot of cats who I was able to actually get in there. So, you you know... You, and you were
3: meeting these guys. This wasn't in school. No. This was in town while you were in school. in town while I'm in school. While you were in school. And in right. school... Meanwhile, you're studying with uh, Edward Hart, and you're you're studying. Right. Uh, well, uh,
1: you know, I was studying with David Maves. David Maves, okay. Yeah, um, Edward Hart was. He came through um, towards my junior and senior years, okay. who actually ended up being a, a composition professor for me as well. So, okay. But David Maves was my main man. You know, he right. was he was the cat who really because David loved he loved jazz as well. He taught the history of jazz course, ah, okay. You know, and but he also he and Doctor Godger, uh, I started hearing bebop really, really well because of how you know Dr. Gudger was talking about the art of the fugue and things like that, and these two- and three-part inventions and yeah. you know, Bach Right, his the style of writing, and then we had to write these... Um, we're going like to listen to one a little so bit later. Yeah but we Some bar we, you talk. Know, we have all yeah you know, but David Mays was was really someone who uh, was very influential in uh, in uh, exposing me to classical music and uh, the style of music the style of development and then Ed Hart came in and um, to watch my senior year and t- taught me a lot about the techniques of composing as well and mm. writing for strings and stuff so.
2: in, in this period of your life you, in, when I listen to you talk about being an educator and, and a teacher um, you talk a lot with your students about sort of what it means to be a working musician in the real world you know mm-hmm. if you're on time you're late you know right. I mean That's l- right. life lesson right yeah. um, you start to talk about things like time management planning preparation <laughs> commitment you know what, what what did all those things mean sort of in in that phase?
1: honestly, it was uh, it was me being very real about uh, exposing the things that I needed to work on mm-hmm. hmm. you know um, and these were the things that if I didn't get worked out in my own, where well, I wouldn't be where I am right now. So you know, anything that I had to work on for myself, I really stress it for them. you know and i I, I really preface most of it. Look, I'm still working on these things, right from double strokes. To (laughs) time management. Yeah, still working on it. It's a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah, and so I mean, a lot of the cats they understand it. A lot of my students. You know, I've been teaching going on 20 years so that's almost five generations of students if you talk about the college generation right and a lot of these cats will call me back and say yo man i appreciate the time i appreciate this that and the other when you said this yeah and all i do is i I smile with them because there's no i told you so i'm still working on it (laughs) it's like i told you i'm still working on this stuff and you know hopefully you you'll be as transparent with the people um You you actually have to sign up to take It's great that you
3: encourage so many of them to to double major as well. They have to with business or arts management. I mean, well, they have to. I mean, but you know, not everybody thinks that way. I mean, you don't know how many artists who come through my studio to work with me who have no clue whatsoever about Mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. they were just taught how to. Yeah, you know, know, it's a strong suggestion
1: from me. Yeah, I I don't make them. So I won't have to get in trouble for that. Yeah, right. But it's a strong suggestion, and it makes sense. As a you're in a liberal arts school, getting conservatory level instruction, and you have time on your side to to actually still take the same amount of classes and get two majors. You, you, yeah come right, on, man. You owe do your you're doing though. yourself a favor. <laughs> yeah. I,
2: I love when you talk about a tune and you're like, you know, we got to work it out, and then sometimes you got to bring it back and work it up, and you know. Right. And when I think about these things in your life, time management, planning, I sort of get the idea that you approach it the same way. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're. Oh, it's always a work in progress. You're well, working it out, working it up. You, you know,
1: know we, and we all we all sitting here and know this, man. As an artist, you. One thing you have to be able to do and you have to know in order to keep it fresh, you have to be able to recreate yourself. You have to be able to reinvent yourself. And that doesn't mean you're starting all over because you still have the same tools. But you learn how to work differently with the same tools. Mm -hmm. You learn how to maximize uh, moments in your world and in your life that allows you to build differently or build stronger relationships, build stronger compositions. Mm -hmm. You know, so you're not you're not saying, well, I'm starting all over. I'm I'm just reinventing myself as if I don't know anything. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's like, man, if you could go back to being 20, which I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I learned a lot in my 30s. I mean, if I can go back knowing what I know right now, I'd probably just go back to 35. (laughs) You know, because, you know, you go back too far. You try to get away with even more. Yeah. You know more.
3: You know, so. Well, I mean, speaking of breaking away, that was one of the things that you mentioned when you did hit your thirties, thinking about it, you were trying to take a different journey on your spiritual walk, right? And and tell us a bit more about that. You know, like,
1: I, when I said breaking away, because it was a physical, um, it was a decision to actually physically not, uh, essentially, be in church on every Sunday. Okay, you know, but that doesn't mean that that's the building at. Certain time right. for worship service. That's not the church within the heart yeah. or the do good by the moral lessons that mm-hmm. you've learned. I'm at least who I am, and I'm grateful for my parents and my upbringing. And I feel like I'm I'm still trying to be as decent of a human being as possible. But those 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 lessons are instilled based on that plateau, that platform. You know, Christianity, church, and we were in church all the time, um, but. When I, when I started talking about breaking away It was actually taking um, Repurposing What could be considered As a ministry Because we all have one Whether we call it that or not We all have mm. a purpose We all have a thing That we do That moves people And yeah. inspires people huh. and We can call it a walk We can call it a movement We can call it a ministry we, And I've learned that calling it anything else is fine It doesn't, you you don't have to call it what I call it. Yeah. You know, we don't have to say, okay, because you're doing this good thing, you must say it's a God thing. It's a good thing.
3: You know, I was just going through earlier, reading some some jazz quotes, and I came across one from John Coltrane, and he says, my music is the spiritual expression of what I am, my faith, my knowledge, my being. When you begin to see the possibilities of music, you desire to do something really good for people, mm-hmm. to help humanity free itself from its hang-ups. I want to speak to their souls. That's right. And that sounds like what you're talking about to well, me. And a, I feel that when I
1: watch you play. Thank you, because I, that means a lot. I yeah. mean, yeah. Um, that, that is the thing for me. You know, When I'm playing, I'm playing the same way that I was brought up to play. Mm-hmm. You know, I care about the music is that much. Everyone showed up to actually check out music. Yeah, man, that's amazing. <laughs> it's Absolutely. amazing, right? So why yeah, should yeah, I yeah. be like, yeah, you're supposed to check this out? No, right. you're not supposed to. You don't have to, but you showed up to do that. And when when it's time to play, when you have people who really want what you have to offer, you know, you have to be responsible with that.
2: How difficult was it to break away literally from the four walls, okay, so and how f- liberating did it feel to? to 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 uh to get there
1: you know it when you have certain and certain events and things that happen that actually make the decision a little yeah. easy yeah. then you split um but So there was a catalyst. There's always a catalyst. Yeah, well, yeah, Yeah, there's always. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Um, there's (laughs) always a catalyst, but the initial catalyst was the fact that my parents taught me how to think for myself and to practice thinking on my thinking. I love it when you
3: say that. You know what I
1: mean? (laughs) I mean
3: that's that's Buddhism right there too, man. Exactly, man. But how would you not?
1: How would you know that it's Buddhism if all you you did was go to your church? You know, you you have to be open. And you know Any and every path to the truth is good And that's What I've always been taught You know so whenever You actually uh, you, you, You're faced with a point where either you move on Or you stick around and you become a thorn mm. uh, There's always a moment When you have to move out of your parents house Two men can't live under the same roof
4: <laughs>
1: Right? So Let's just take that And let everybody understand (laughs) What that really, really means When it comes down to uh, uh, A religious practice And understanding what a spiritual walk The difference between a spiritual walk And a religious practice Just to understand Now some people need to do certain things To make sure that they stay morally Intact Mm -hmm. Some people get it already so they don't have to do that thing. If you got to go to church or if you have to go in the military or if you have to do anything to actually m- get some time with you then that's fine. But once you got it figured out or once you think you're ready to really step out there and test it how are you going to know unless you go out there and test it? Yeah. Man? In your own way. In your own way because yeah. it's all a personal thing.
3: And that's the real expression of authenticity right. is when you say, oh I get it and it's actually a little different, That's right. but it's my way, mm-hmm. and it's actually the same. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and so my, my thing is, I, 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 do, I do still love church. My, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I'd, be, I'd be a hypocrite if I said I, I didn't enjoy going to church. I just, um, I had, the catalyst was one. I was trying to drive home for service one Sunday, after playing somewhere I think it well, was either Charlotte or Atlanta maybe Atlanta I was trying to drive home on Sunday to make it for church after Saturday night playing and I was going to drive back to play Sunday night mm. I oh fell boy. asleep behind the wheel Ooh. wow yeah that's not worth it okay and I realized that okay I'm about to check out Trying to get there But it just didn't make any sense I I was trying to do it all I was trying to actually be at the service And I was trying to be And then you know what I realized when I woke up in a ditch On 526 Was if I actually made it And I make it all the time Who's going to play the drums next in church Who's going to be the next person Under my playing all this time To actually play If I'm always in the way
3: If you're always there Yeah Yeah It's Somebody a, had to move out the way a, for me aside. to play. Step aside. It's, right. an, it's, a, it's yeah. an amazing yeah.
2: thing to sort of like uh, kill yourself metaphorically in your yeah. mind. That's you right. know, you realize how sort of insignificant you you are, which is a is humbling to sort of just that's true. Just man. listen to that and feel it. What it would be like mm-hmm. if I'm not here, mm-hmm. like because it all goes on. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, I want to take a break and uh, check out uh, Bella Bartok is that how you pronounce sure yeah yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about this uh, this uh, this
1: this piece was um, one of the main ones compositionally that turned me out if you will Um, I I listened to the first movement and that's all we have is the first movement yeah I turned I turned off the stereo and, and I had a conversation with a uh, um, Frank Gordon, who's an amazing trumpeter, a jazz trumpeter, com- composer. I mean, he had a similar experience, but I had to turn it off and I had to go for a walk. Really? Yeah, because you just um, flip your lid. It did everything I needed to do at that point in time. And all, all three of these songs that we're playing and we're listening to, I listened to significantly. Yeah. You know, Serenity Prayer, I learned that prayer being under punishment, and it was a little plaque on the yeah right. <laughs> coffee right. table. And then Renee puts it to music be- based on, on a request of a friend of hers hmm. who was diagnosed, she was diagnosed with cancer, I believe. So Renee sang the song and dedicated it. But I'm sitting there like, wow, as a eight-year-old, I knew this. Poem, yeah, the serenity prayer right. because I saw it every day because I had to and now you hang it out and now, but again, it, it, but it really meant a lot when you go back and check out the words to it. It meant it means a lot. Change, uh, accept oh, yeah. the things that you cannot change, yep. and, and the, the, courage. Wisdom, the courage to change the things you can, you can yeah. and the wisdom to know the, the difference. difference. Come on, yeah, that's deep, right? It really and is. And here we go. I got Bella Bartok coming through with this this wonderful first movement of the piece and i literally just was like man that's so emotional it's so it's all there it's it's there check it out
3: All right, well, we're back. That was Bella Bartok. We're here with Quentin Baxter in the Ohm Radio Studios. And uh, couldn't be happier to kick off Season 2 in this way. Thanks, QB.
1: Oh, My pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. We we finally got it in. We did, man. We did. (laughs) Never give up. Never give up.
3: So I'll tell you what. When we talked about a third section, one of the things that you uh, brought up right away was uh, your decision to plant firm roots in Charleston and kick off your own thing of the Baxter Center for Music. And to it seems I mean you had already in my mind been committed to this community. Yeah. From from the beginning, you know, that since I've met you. Mm-hmm. But this seems like an even like digging deep. Yeah, I
1: mean, you know, um as an as an artist, if you're not committed, you're done. You know? Um
3: it's one thing to be committed to your music, though. It's another thing to be committed to giving back and committed to the community. And I know, you know, for certain that 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 you'll play this down. But anybody in Charleston asks Quentin Baxter to show up for his community, and you'll be there. Yeah, I know that.
1: It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's my home, man. I know. And it, one of the major goals was to try to create a space or try to create uh, a, an avenue. Um, that wasn't there for us readily when we first
3: started
1: playing the music. Um, But we had our mentors in place. I mean Lonnie Hamilton Mm -hmm. these cats were playing the gigs so I didn't create jazz in town. I didn't create the opportunities to play. I was actually mentored by these guys in my mid-twenties, early to mid-twenties on not only how to play this music but how to treat people, how to deal with business Mm -hmm. how to do it right. So I mean I'm, I'm blessed with with those cats Lonnie Hamilton Mr. Hamilton and, and Oscar Rivers and we gotta throw Jack McCrae in there Jack McCrae, Jack White I mean yeah. we got a lot of names man but yeah. these these cats were all taking me under their wings when I first started playing um, the funny part was I, I wasn't I didn't drink I, I stopped drinking by the time I came home to play so <laughs> when I when I went to the shopping club and sat in um, Jack White was around and he he was really like the uncle cat you know he was right. the he was jack the godfather jack you know and he wouldn't let anybody buy me a drink man oh really he didn't trust anyone and he told me look i'm doing this and you're doing this you know Someone was <laughs> like bring me a drink he move it over really it could have been sprite because i wasn't drinking it could have been a coke i mean didn't it was, matter
3: though they were looking after you he were you, literally did were you intentionally? Were you looking for
1: mentors, or did that did but that just happen? You have happen? to have them. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, when when you think you can do something, the best way to find out is to see if it, if you get a nod mm. from from the the senior cats. From somebody who's been I, there. Yeah, that's how I grew up. Yeah. And, you know, you waited until you could play to play in church, man. You didn't just start playing. You, yeah. Right. You played a bongo. You played mm. you played a box in the back seat with a broken stick. Before you got on, you played the tambourine, you played the washboard, then mm. you got to the drum set, you know, and then that whole thing happened. So when it was time to actually play the music and, and step into this community that already existed mm-hmm. um, as far as the music is concerned, I was, I was really seeking out the bands that were there, the Rivers and Company, the Lonnie Hamilton, I think it was Lonnie Hamilton and the Diplomats. Diplomat. yeah, yeah. So, and then, you know, I, meet, I, I link up with my, my long-time... Cat, you know, Jack McRae, and then I really learned the richness of this music and this community, and then Karen Chandler moves to town, and she and Jack actually start digging up all the stuff, and I'm feeling like, yeah, man, this is the first generation that didn't have to leave town, but Mm. now we have to really create something in town, and now we actually have to create a space that deals with development and dispatching. Just, but kind of like what Jenkins did, but without yeah. the orphanage, you know.
2: It, it seems like you know when you talk about your your own path and breaking away and sort of stamping out Quentin Baxter's, you know, own identity, you know, in life. And and then I think about the the Center for Music, the Baxter Center for Music. It, that seems to be a full manifestation of the way you've composed your life, mm. you know, performance, education,
1: and production. Mm-hmm. Is, is that those are the hats I wear, and, yeah, yeah, and that's, you know, when I first started doing this. I mean, we were always sharing, you know, growing up. Anybody wanted to learn anything, I did. We we had to teach, you mm-hmm. had to show. My my mom, that was the way you did. You you did not you did not play like this. If anybody asked you to show them anything, you show. Okay, so you you take that, and I met Charlton way, way really early on, and we both dreamed about having a school, Where we could actually help people and teach kids and stuff like that. So it goes from mid '90s of a dream, and then finding out that it takes a there's a process.
3: Takes that long. It takes that yeah, long. There's yeah, a yeah. process. I mean, you have been talking done. about this now. Look like at Charlton's like he's at the
1: Galliard now. He's yeah you know uh, you know i i believe um, education ambassador or something but we have so many cats in town when that you see can where it share
3: where could, it starts yeah. and where it goes, yeah. I mean you know from speaking of Jack McRae and then the Charleston Jazz Orchestra, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. Charlton coming in and leading that and right. that being the step to the next mm-hmm. step, and
1: yeah, but charlton's one of the i mean uh, other than tommy and 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 Kevin, I met Charlton in the mid nineties I believe, yeah, definitely early the mid nineties and we started playing and play music together, and we just we were like minds, we were roommates for a little while. We lived in Mount Pleasant together, you know, yeah. and I was, you're talking about getting some work done and listening to some music. Oh, man. Man, I just bought a stereo, and we just sat there, and, <laughs> and it's the same stereo I have to this day. It's like my biggest and best purchase at the time, yeah. and I learned so much music,
3: man. Oh, man, I think it's so important to tell people, especially young musicians, when you've got somebody like you in the, in the, in the studio with us, to remind people of what it takes. You were gigging at, 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 at King Street Station... Yeah. At Fig. That's right. At Coast. At Charleston Grill. Did you play Clara's outside on the street? Absolutely. I mean, like, Clara's I mean,
1: inside. Clara's outside. Yeah, every Sunday yeah, yeah. we had a jam session. I mean, man. All, my office hours all was, was Clara's. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I had an upright piano in there. And Papa, he actually let me have a piano in there. We had it covered up, and then every Sunday we roll it out and just play music, man. You yeah, know? yeah, And we used to record every Sunday on a mini disc recorder. You remember really? the mini disc recorders?
3: And yeah, you don't. You don't end up at at, at dizzy Gillespie's Coca Cola Club. Or or the jazz standard, because, you know, overnight, right? It, it doesn't happen. Yeah, the overnight. Kennedy Center, the Kennedy jazz Center, at
2: Lincoln Center, yeah, uh, the Umbria yeah. Jazz Festival, yeah, in Italy, uh, the Toulouse Jazz Festival in France. Yeah. Right? It takes a, you know, go back to the idea of this center early '90s, and just, you know, it takes a long time for ideas to marinate germinate, however you want to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, before they actually sprout, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, did did you lose excitement?
1: The thing about it was back then when it first started, it was this big, fantastic dream, man. Hmm. It was a big dream. It was like, oh, man, and I was serious about my dream, you know, I was really <laughs> want to do it. And then you, 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 you get in the trenches of it and you forget, you even, you don't lose sight of it. You're starting to pay attention to other things that are right in front of you, not realizing the f- the circle, mm-hmm. that full circle mm. that is happening. You know, I I think a lot of people will will would say that. You know, you start off with this big, fantastic dream, and I at one point wanted county hall, that was going to be the school, and the houses next to it was going to be the campus, and oh great. yeah, <laughs> you man, it was big, man, <laughs> big, big, you know, and then. And then you then just You realize you start, you start realizing What you don't know You start realizing And you just start Concentrating on The the components Starting itself mm-hmm. And working out things Working out on your craft Working out, And you, then you, you Then you have All these distractions On all these Opportunities and options Do I move to New York mm, Right Do I do this Do I do that Do I hit the road Do I stay at home Do I stay at home Play serenade Okay I played serenade Why did I do that Because my daughter was born And he'd actually spend some time at home I couldn't actually be out there. Good decision. Was I going to actually leave her and, and move to New York? No. But did she stop me from moving to New York? No. That's not how we resolve this.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And by the way, I remember you telling me
3: once that a lot of cats you play with in New York think you live in New York. Yeah, you don't tell them any different. at this
1: point. Like, <laughs> You're you know, like, I'm there all the I'm, time anyways. I'm there a lot. But <laughs> New York, no place like New York. The energy in New York, there's no place like it. But you, you have to understand that everyone's got to live somewhere. And everyone's from somewhere. So, I mean, I'm from here, and a lot of cats are going to be coming from here. A lot of, I mean, you look at the scene right now, look at the players in this town, and tell me, you know, cats just need to have an opportunity to actually be out there playing, man. Yeah. You know? Can I ask you a question?
2: John and I were talking about, we thought we might ask this question at the beginning, but I'm, re- I'm really curious um, how our guests curate. A day in the life of you know and and when i think about your world i want you to be let's share let's be honest right because there's so many different ways that we do it and but but you um ha- have a very mobile existence mm-hmm. right you're you're on the move and yeah. i'm just curious as to what are the the practices
1: that the ground quentin baxter you know you know well that's that's amazing, and uh, you know i wouldn't I wouldn't tell anyone that this is absolutely the way to do it, but i I do with serious deprivation, sleep deprivation. Yeah. Um, it's not the healthiest thing i'm I'm not proud of it. Um, um, but I can operate and I can function off of three or four hours of sleep. you know the body will tell you when you need more, of course, but so when my day ends and when it begins it totally depends on how inspired I am to actually get some work done so if let's say I woke up at normally five thirty, six o'clock in the morning um when I was in college there was a time when I practiced uh a good from 5.30 to 10.30 so I got five wow. hours of practicing in and I had to play soft because it was early in the morning I was upstairs yeah, at my sure. parents house and you know it was that kind of thing my, my baby brother could tell you about those days oh, man. but it was it was fine you know um but right now you know I, I when i wake up you know among the first things i'll do is i'll make me you know french press of coffee um have my cup maybe go in the office and um just checking out what's going on for the day but most times when i wake up it's because <laughs> i got to get dressed or because i already packed to catch a flight or catch a ride to to the airport If it's a project oriented day, I wake up and I actually go in the office and I, in my house, and I I start working on projects. I mean, speaking of that, where are you going tomorrow again? Tomorrow I actually fly out to Europe. I'm, you know, we land, I land in Barcelona, some parts of. Tomorrow or some Friday. parts of tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> all right. <laughs> you know, oh man. Um, I, But I sleep on the flights though. I get my sleep. But you know, th- it really depends. Like, so if I'm home, I'll wake up. I'll have my coffee. Um, I'll get some things done around the house. Um, work on a project. Um, deal with some editing and stuff like that. Then I'll go downtown. I'll you know deal with my lessons and teach and, and, and hang out with my students and and have a good time there. And then I'll have my happy hour moment at Proof. It's my office hours okay and uh, decide where i'm gonna have some food or whether or not i'm gonna go home and cook you know and if i have a gig then then i'm downtown when i leave my house i'm usually downtown till after the gig if i have a gig in town but if i don't then you know it's kind of open when and lately i I don't have a a home gig right now so that's kind of weird yeah
3: yeah. that's been a while yeah you've always had
1: that yeah but I get to hear other cats play, and I'm I'm a sub now. If anybody can, if anybody needs a drummer, call
3: me up. I'm, Very nice. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I can't wait to see what happens with this, uh, with the new center you're putting oh, man, together. It's gonna and be amazing. It's been a lot of thought put into it. Uh, I think the city's gonna benefit from it, and like you said, you know, people are gonna be able to take advantage of this sort of thing and stay in town, or they're gonna be able to take advantage of this sort of thing and move out. And bring right. what's happening here out into the world, mm-hmm. um, which you know, getting back to Jack McRae, you know, this is the foundation of jazz music began right here in Charleston, South Carolina. It's um, definitely
1: one of the cradles for sure.
3: We've got to wrap this up so you can get some sleep and, and, and get <laughs> the,
2: the the last tune we're going to go to. What a beautiful oh, tune uh, by Shirley Horn. Yeah. yeah here's to life yeah
1: it's performed by shirley horn it's it's really an anthem and i mean it's a great way to end a session but yeah. it's um it was a, a it's always been a wonderful way to wake up uh, that was uh, an amazing moment in my lifetime in my life when i woke up to the song every mm. morning uh, as a toast to another opportunity you, to, to go into it you, you know? shared a couple of lyrics that were some of your favorites but oh man um uh, says, I, I still believe in chasing dreams and placing bets. Yeah. Um, for I've learned all you, all you, all you give is what, all you get. So give it all you got. Right. That kind right, of thing. Right, right. Or, I mean, there's so I'll many. There's, you, there's so there's, many one-liners
3: in this. Song there's one more one-liner from this song that I gotta ask you because you play with Freddie Cole. He just turned 85. Yes. And on "Here's to Life," she says, "As long as I'm still in the game, I want to play." Is that yes. you playing drums? Absolutely. Yeah man. man. Well, and that's, that's Freddie at eighty five. And that's Freddie. You know, and that yeah, was Shirley Horn
1: yeah, yeah. when she was still with us. It's one of my favorite you things know?
3: about the people you play with, man, is 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 that it just goes to show you that it's not a twenty something game. And, you know, people think if you haven't put your first album out by the time you're 30, you're done in the music industry. You know, it's like, no, man, keep on, you keep doing, on it. doing it. Keep on doing it, yeah. And I'm yeah. Looking,
1: to, looking forward to recording and putting another album out this year. So. We're looking, looking forward, forward to, listening. to listening.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: Cheers to that,
2: my friend. Yep. So, uh, here's to life. Shirley Horn.
0: Enjoy. No complaints and no regrets. I still believe in chasing dreams, and placing bets. But I have learned that all you give is all you get. So give it all you've got. I had my share. I drank my fill, and even though I'm satisfied, I'm hungry still to see what's down another road beyond the hill, and do it all again. So here's to life, and every joy it brings, so here's to life, to dreamers and their dreams. time just flies. Our love can go from warm hellos to sad goodbyes and leave you with the memories you've memorized to keep your winters warm. For there's no yes in yesterday And who knows what tomorrow brings or takes away As long as I'm still in the game I want to play For laughs, for life, for love May all your storms be weathered And all that's good get better Here's to life Here's to love Here's to
2: We're back, Quentin Baxter, first guest, season two. Two things: one, it feels great to be in the in the studio again. Um, thanks, Thomas, Megan, Home Radio, uh, everybody there for making this happen. Feels great to be here, and and what a great guest to start off the
3: season with, Quentin Baxter. Right? Absolutely. I mean,
2: lots of things to hone in on, but what were what were the things that popped out to you?
3: Well, I know that. Um you know, Quentin's work uh, within the community is just really special. And I really love that this is where he's, you know, decided to make a uh, put down some some deeper roots in Charleston with the Baxter Center for Music, right around the corner from the home radio right. headquarters here. Right. And yeah, it's pretty exciting. I see the excitement in him, and it's going to be great for the community. And yeah, he's been building towards this for so long. It's just, I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's be really I mean, great.
2: It's a testament to persistence and to just. Consistency in yeah. effort, right? I mean, he's been, th- this dream has been uh, on, uh, of mine for 20 years, two decades. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. And he's about to manifest it. And I like, the, you know, I mean, I think about him uh, composing music, and it seems like the center, the Baxter Center for Music, is, is his composition. You know, it's, it's a lot of different elements that of what he brings to his life, uh, you know, yeah. performance. Education mm-hmm. and production, uh, and production, you know.
3: Yeah, yeah, and as you mentioned uh, just a minute ago, um, he seems to approach all areas of his life in that same way, which is, you know, this whole it's all a creative process, it's all a work in progress, and, and it's not limited to music. Um, and and I love that he's so forthright about that with his students as well. Like like, listen, I'm teaching you this, and I'm still learning this.
2: Yeah, it adds a, a level of interest to the topic. You know, when you when you think about composition and working a tune up or working it out, or you know, you think about toiling with a with a individual song, uh, and, and then you think about that as it relates to time management, which is such a boring topic. <laughs> but I think he I think he takes that approach to yeah, you're to, right. to life. You know, which they're all tunes and works in progress.
3: And it adds a level of energy and excitement to sure. to to the continual refinement of uh, of a skill set. Yeah. All the way across the board. Right. And you can tell, you know, he's 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 constantly challenging himself yeah. all the time. And like place. I said, you know, if you, you go watch him play and when Quentin Baxter's in the groove, he's got his head tilted slightly back, eyes closed, and if you're up close enough, you can hear him singing while he's playing drums with a big smile on his face. I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's a great yeah. visual. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, great to be here again with you, John. Uh, yeah, man. It's, uh, it's exciting. Happy to be back. Yeah. It's good. And, uh, and thanks to Quentin Baxter. Uh, stay tuned, literally, uh, for his new album that he's uh, working on.
3: Uh, new album and if you ever uh, get a chance to catch him with renee marie or freddie cole definitely do that i mean there's two phenomenal musicians and and it's a it's a real real honor and a treat to see them play
2: and keep your eye out or ears out for him and marcus hamaker
3: uh, marcus hamaker yeah, the, yeah. The, the combination of their marcus's poetry and quentin's drums and
2: beautiful and powerful
3: yeah we'll catch you next time Call to adventure cheers, cheers.
2: And remember, the road that is distinctly your own has never been traversed.
4: Celebrate the path that is your call to adventure.
0: This show is brought to you by Objectivity Squared Wealth Management helping families strategize, execute, monitor, and communicate their financial decisions. Learn more at objectivitysquared.com.